only Jesus, the only name to remember. Amen? We've been going through uh, the Gospel of John this year, and uh, we'll continue to do that. However, for the next four weeks, starting next Sunday, there'll be a little bit of a break uh, from uh, the the Gospel of John. Then we'll pick back in uh, John chapter 12 uh, at the end of July, July the 28th, I believe it is. So, but in the meantime, while we're here today, we're going to continue up and finish chapter 11. We started chapter 11 last week. You remember that story where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, who had been dead for four days. And so we're going to look at this in just a moment. Before I get into the message, however, uh, this morning, I want us to, I want to just take just a few minutes to say thank you to all those who are prayer warriors who pray. I know some of you have signed up and said, I'm willing to pray for different ministries. Thank you for that. It's so important uh, to be praying for all the different ministries of church. But also thank you to those who have taken time to pray during the services right now. Uh, during the 9.30 service and the 11 o'clock services are people who are scheduled to pray during that time. We still need a lot more people to do that. But thank you for those who have, who have been doing that. We're truly, truly grateful. If you'd like to get in on that, uh, you can see Christy Runyon about that or send an email to prayerministry at mppclife.com. But, but uh, one, one of the things that I'm thinking about in my prayer this morning, uh, I didn't say this for the commissioning, but I want you to be aware of, is that whenever folks go on missions trips, especially into very dark places, you know that the devil is at work overtime. And so we're already sensing some of that with uh, some of our uh, team members who are facing some struggles today. So just continue to pray for those who are on missions, uh, on our mission trips uh, this week and next week, and then the other mission trips that are coming up as well, uh, that the Lord would have his way protecting our people and letting us be able to be used for his glory, that he'd be exalted and magnified in all things. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you for that. Well, so we're looking today at the idea of the sacrifice, but the topic in this series has been called "Only Jesus: Seeing the Savior in a Selfie World." And so, the idea is that we want to make sure that because we live in a selfie world, and we and our natural flesh is very self-centered and self-oriented, that what we want to do is we want to shift our attention and keep our eyes focused to only Jesus. And so as we come to this passage of Scripture, verses 45 through uh, 57 of John 11, finishing out that story from last week, uh, you know, we, we, ha- we, ha- we look in this passage of Scripture and we see some things here. We see that Jesus is the sacrifice. We'll talk about that. But also we see the self-orientation of people and how people can be so self-centered and self-oriented and a selfie in our lives. And so when we think about the world in which we live, it is a selfie world in which we live. I haven't looked at today's paper, but chances are good that if you pick up today's paper and read it, that you'll see in there some things about and, and what a kind of selfie world in which we live, where there are some self-centered crimes that took place and some self-centered decisions uh, that are being uh, uh, voted on and some self-centered opinions and the editorial page and self-centered problems all over the world. Amen? I mean, that's the kind of world in which we live. It's the way it has been. And you say, well, that's the world. That's not really us as Christians. We're not really self-centered. Well, wouldn't that be great if that was so? But chances are that if you wanted to know if you are self-centered or not, just look at your calendar. Don't, don't pull it out right now, but you know what I'm talking about. And if that doesn't convince you that how self-centered we can be even looking at our calendar, then pull out your checkbook. And maybe that will help you figure out how self-centered we all really are. So we may not think of ourselves as being selfie-oriented, but today, if you're with me on this, let's do a little soul-searching. Amen? Are you with me on that? Okay. 
Let's do a little soul searching in our hearts and lives and ask ourselves, okay, what do we really believe? And how is that what we really believe, how is that manifested in our lives? So I want us to think about that as we look at this passage of Scripture and walk away today determined to be more like Jesus in every area of our lives and less selfie-oriented. Good with that? Amen. Y'all awake? All right, good. Well, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read for us John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. The Bible tells us here, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did, speaking about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and they said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. And then... Verse 51, now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Verse 53, then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Speaking of Jesus, therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? And now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, that he should report it, that they might seize him. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would take it now and apply it to our hearts and lives. Lord, that we would do an inner heart check of our own lives, not being concerned about what others are thinking or what others need to hear, but what we need to hear. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would guide us and direct us to, to understand what you're saying to us through this word by the power of your spirit. And now, Lord, I pray that you would be with every heart and soul here, Lord, for those here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that this would be that hour of salvation. But for those of us who do know you as Lord and Savior, Father, may it be a time of renewal and remembering who you are, what you've done, and how we are to so, so live as your disciples. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you picked up a bulletin today, you see the outline there, but also the outlines on our app, MPPC Life app. You can follow along there and fill in some of those blanks that you see there. And we're looking here at this idea of how do we live as believers in Jesus Christ, as people who claim to be born again and to be disciples of the Lord Jesus, then how is it that we're living? How is that manifested in our lives? And so the first thing that we see here as we look at this passage of Scripture is we find really two different kinds of living. And the first one that we see is the called what I'm calling the code of Caiaphas, the code of Caiaphas. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, what happened is, as you remember, that there are some people, a lot, I don't know how many people, but there are quite a few people who probably went with Martha and Mary to the tomb as Jesus goes with them there and calls out for Lazarus to come forth. And as Lazarus, bound hand and foot in this white linen cloth, as he comes out of the grave, 
The, the Bible tells us here that there's some people, when they see this miracle, and it's not the first miracle that some of them have seen, but when they see this miracle, the Bible tells us there that some of them believed in Jesus. But then also it tells us that some others did not believe in Jesus. It, what it says is they went away and they ratted Jesus out to the Pharisees. That's what it's didn't say that in the Bible, but that's what we know it did because it tells us that they went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. And so what happens is, is that once they, these people went to the Pharisees and told them about Lazarus being raised and Jesus doing this miracle, then we picked up and pick up in verse 47 and verse 48, and it tells us there that the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and they said, what shall we do? In other words, what are we going to do with this guy? I mean, we can't just keep going on like this. Something, that's it. Something's got to be done about this guy. For this man works many signs. And then in verse 48, they go further and they say that if we let him alone like this, then everyone will believe in him and the Romans, and this is key to understand, and the Romans will come and take away from our place, take away both our place and nation. They're coming, they'll come and they'll take away our temple and our privileges and our authority and all that we get to do as the leaders of the Jews. And so that's what they're saying here. So, and as they're coming, this Sanhedrin, and they're making this, this argument about what are we going to do with this guy? We can't just keep letting this guy keep doing. Something's got to be done about Jesus. And then we see in the next couple of verses here in a few minutes that the, the ruthless and the callous and the self-righteous Caiaphas speaks up. And so we're going to hear what he says here in just a minute. But as we look at what Caiaphas says, we understand that as we live in a selfie world, this code of Caiaphas is where most people dwell. Now, we don't like to admit that, but more of us are probably more like Caiaphas than we want to admit. And that's this selfie-oriented life. Where it's where most people dwell. It's where most people live. And it's where some of these Jewish leaders and the Jews were as well. And so the first thing that we see about the code of Caiaphas and people who are selfie-oriented and what that looks like, it's, we see, first off, it's a place of preservation. It's a place of preservation. And so what was taking place here is we saw that, that these, these, this council is saying, what are we going to do? This man, Jesus, he works many signs. And if we leave him alone like this, and everyone's going to believe in him, and the Romans are going to come, they're going to take away both our place and our nation. Because as we look at this, what we see about them right away is that they are more concerned about peace with Rome when they should have been concerned with peace with God. And so they were agitated about what Jesus was doing. They weren't convicted they weren't compelled, but rather they were agitated and disturbed because Jesus' popularity was growing. And their concern was not, not so much about the disciples as much as that, it, that if Jesus' popularity continues to grow, then they're going to claim him to be the king and that it's going to cause an uprising among the Romans uh, who are going to come and they're going to force, they're going to crush us as leaders. They're going to take away that little bit of authority that the Jews had. And so that's what they were mostly concerned about. The Romans, now understand that the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, were under the Roman oppression. And so what was taking place is that Rome had allowed some of the nations that they had conquered to have some limited positions of authority in their home territory. And these Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, they had some of that authority. They were over the Jewish people. And so they didn't want Jesus to keep doing what he was doing because they were afraid that the, the Romans were going to come in. It says at the end of verse 48, and take, come and take away 
meaning from us, take away from us both our place and nation. That's what they were concerned about. You see, these Jewish leaders, they were enjoying their prestigious positions of power, and they're looking at Jesus, and Jesus is threatening their situation because the Romans will come and take away from them their nation and their place, their temple. And it would bring Rome's displeasure and thus hardship to them as a nation. And so what they're thinking in their minds is we don't want the the status to change. We don't want things to change. We like things just the way they are. Oh my, does that sound like anybody you know? Now I don't want you to think about anybody else. I just want you to think about yourself, amen? Because this is what we're having to see here is that this is more like us than we want to admit. How can I stay comfortable? How can I be stable? How can I do what I'm doing, appeasing the world even if I have to, to maintain my freedom to do what I want? Because I want to preserve my status. I want to preserve my place. I want to preserve my comfort, and I want to preserve my ideals. And so it was not about, for these Jewish leaders, it was not about seeking truth, but rather it was about maintaining the status quo. And anyone who changed up the status quo, well, that was a threat and a danger, and they needed to go. And so they were willing to do whatever it takes to remove the threat to their power and to their prestige and to what they knew as comfort and stability. And so in reality, they were motivated, they're motivated to come after Jesus because of their fear of change, their fear of losing power, their fear of what it would cost them, the fear of being uncomfortable, the fear of how this is going to be perceived, the fear of backlash, the fear of what others were going to say or do. And so Caiaphas then, he comes up with this plan. He says to them, what he says there, we'll see in a few minutes, but basically he's saying, look, just killing Jesus, if we just kill Jesus, that will preserve our power. And so what he's suggesting is that one person can be sacrificed as an alternative to the nation perishing. And so this code of Caiaphas and the Jewish leaders, well, that's self-preservation. And this idea of self-preservation is I won't do anything to change. I like the status quo. I like where I'm at. I like this feeling of being able to do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do. Is an idea of self-preservation. And beloved, it's an issue of the heart. It's where we often land. This idea of self-preservation is where we often dwell. We say, don't change anything. I might not like it. I mean, we get all been out of shape if Walmart changes where they put the bread. <laughs> Y'all know that's right. Because this is what I'm used to, right? So don't change anything. I may not like it. Don't rock the boat. I mean, things are going good. Don't rock the boat. It may not suit other people, but it may not suit me. Or don't ask me to serve their pastor because it may interfere with my plans. Don't tell me I need to give money because my money is already spent. Don't ask me to tell others about Jesus because I may may not know what to say. Don't ask me to be a part of the prayer ministry because it will upset my own agenda. You see, that, and we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? About how that is so a picture of self-preservation because we are selfie-oriented people. 
And so we have to say, okay, well, if that's where we dwell and that's where we land most of the time, then the question is, well, what do you really believe about Jesus? I mean, the Bible has told us, as we've looked at this Gospel of John, we've said over and over again that the key verse for this, for this uh, Gospel is found in John chapter 20, verse 31, that says, but these things are written, meaning all that we see about Jesus here, all that he's done, all the miracles that he's done, all the things he did on the cross at the end, all these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so that's what we see here is that we're to have life in Jesus because that's where real life is. Real life is not trying to preserve what I want to do. Real life is believing in Jesus and believing in his call upon your life, believing in what he wants you to do, believing what he's directing you, and believing his word, believing his will, believing his way. See, life is not found in, in self-preservation. It's not found in maintaining the status quo. It's not found in fearing some calling or change in your life to follow Jesus. But rather, it is, it's, it is found in following Jesus. But there must be a change of heart from what is, import, what is important to me to what does the Lord desire. That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Do we need a change of heart where our whole life is consumed with thinking about what's important to me, to shifting that because we belong to Jesus and what does the Lord desire of me? But too often, we're more like Caiaphas than we want to admit. This code of life is a place of preservation. It's also a place of pride. Now let's look at what Caiaphas said again, verse 49 and 50. Caiaphas, he's the high priest that year. And he says to them, you know nothing at all. You guys don't know anything. Verse 50. Nor do you consider that it is expedient, it is better for us, or better for you, depending on your translation, it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and, that, and not the whole nation should perish. So what he's saying here is, look, look. They're, they're wondering, what are we going to do with this guy? What are we going to do with Jesus? Because if this keeps going on, we're going to lose our place. We're going to lose our status. We're going to lose our position. We're going to lose our prestige here. Romans are going to come in. They're just really going at it. And Caiaphas says, look, you guys, you all know what you're talking about. Here's, look, here's the thing. It, just understand that it is better for us that one man dies than the whole nation perishes. Let's just get rid of the guy. Let's just get rid of Jesus. Let's just kill him. That's what he's saying. And so what we see here as we look at Caiaphas, man, that is such an arrogant, conceited, pride-filled attitude, isn't it? And that's what we see him, that Caiaphas is the epitome of egotism. His code of conduct is a code of conceitedness. The aroma that he exudes is an aroma of arrogance. He shows his smugness. He, it smacks of superiority. And you know why? It's because it's all about me. It's a place of pride. And so he says that it is better to sacrifice someone else than for me or you to be inconvenienced. It, and so he convinces himself and he convinces others that this is in their best interest and therefore it must be right. And so you hear in Caiaphas this cold, calculating, cunning way of life. And he thinks this way that I am concerned only about my situation. I'm concerned only about my desires. I'm concerned about my wants. I'm concerned about my good. I'm concerned about my welfare, my happiness, my position. And as I'm concerned about my stuff, then let's just sacrifice somebody else because it's better for us to let someone else suffer than for me to suffer, for you to suffer. 
Let's just let somebody else do it. Well, Pastor, you ain't worried about me. That's not me. Ah, well, praise the Lord. That's good. I'm glad that's not you. But too many are. We say, I'm not going to sacrifice what I want. I'm not going to sacrifice what I desire. I'm not going to sacrifice what I what is comfortable for me. I'm not going to sacrifice that. But rather, if you ask me to do something, I'm going to, I'm going to throw somebody else under the bus. I'm going to let somebody else take the heat. I'm going to let somebody else take the blame. I'm going to let somebody else take my place. And let them face the consequences so that I can do what I want, I can go when I want, and I can be where I want. Boy, that's a great attitude, isn't it? It's all about me. It's the code of Caiaphas. It's very selfie-oriented. And understand that as we think about the pride that Caiaphas is showing here, that this pride doesn't go back just a few years before him. It goes all the way back to the garden. Because the pride comes from the evil one. It, it was in the Garden of Eden and the, in that first sin. Because he says to Adam and Eve, he says to Eve in, in the book of Genesis, go ahead, eat that fruit, the fruit that they've been told by God not to eat. And the devil comes alongside her and says, hey, go ahead and eat the fruit. Because when you eat the fruit, then your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God and you will know good and evil. He's really appealing to her own desires. And so she sees that it was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. And so the, it was what she wanted, what she saw, what she liked, what she desired. And so that caused her to, to rebel against the word of God and in her pride say, this is what I want for me. And she took it and sent it into the world. So this code of Caiaphas, beloved, this selfie-oriented life comes straight from the pit of hell. And it's still seen in people today. Where it's all about me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to do what I want. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to maintain what I want. But too often, we don't want to admit it, but we're more like Caiaphas than we want to admit. And this code of life is a place of preservation. It's a place of pride, but also it's a place of pretending. What we find here in the code of Caiaphas and the Jewish leaders is an issue of hypocrisy, pretending to be something that they're not. And so in verse 53, we see here that it tells us that here's the chief priests, the high priests, all these religious leaders who claim to be people who are people of God, even closer to God than the other people they would have thought. And yet we see here in verse 53, then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. And then we see in verse 55, and then we see the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And so what's happening here is that while these chief priests, these religious leaders, the high priests, are plotting to kill Jesus, these are the very same priests that are about to partake and to be, take part in the Passover festival. These people who are supposed to be the religious leaders who are closest to God in their own minds and own eyes, who are plotting to kill someone as they remember in this festival how God had saved them all from death and now they're plotting to kill one of their very own. How far have they fallen and are willing to kill or destroy a man so that they can have their own way and yet still go through the rituals of being God's chosen people? And not just any ritual, it's a ritual of reminding them of God's willingness and his power to redeem, a ritual that reminded them how lives were saved as the life of a lamb was taken. But they're going to t 
going through the motions, but have completely lost sight of who God is. Hmm. So they've, they're going through all the motions, but they've completely lost sight of who God is. You see, beloved, we're, we're more like Caiaphas than we'd like to admit, don't we? We go through the motions, and we completely lose sight of who God is. They're rejecting the holiness of God. They're denying the power of God. And they're turning their backs on who God is and what he truly requires, which is accepting his son as the true Savior, Messiah, and Lord. So the question for us is, how many, how many rituals and traditions do we continue while our hearts are in the wrong place? How many times are we simply just going through the motions, whether that's at church or reading our Bible or spending time in some prayer? We're just going through the motions while we're just casting off the holiness of God. How many times are we just checking off the boxes so we can feel good about ourselves, which again is the epitome of pride, right? Checking off the boxes so we can feel good about ourselves Well, we're not really concerned to care about what God is really calling us to do, what he really wants us to do, the message he really wants us to hear. That is pride. And that's pretending to be something that we're not. So that's hypocrisy. So beloved, what we need to do is to follow Jesus. Amen? If we claim to know Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, if we say we believe that He is the Christ, the Son of God, and we have life in His name, then we follow Him. The question is, what do you really believe? So we dwell more, unfortunately, we dwell more in the code of Caiaphas than we like to admit. It's a place of preservation and pride and pretending, when rather we should dwell in, secondly, the cross of Christ. And so what we find now as we come to this point in the book of John is that from this point forward... The Gospel of John now is focused on one thing, and that's the cross. Focused on what Jesus does at the cross. And so right now, as we come to this passage of Scripture, in the next chapter, it's the turning point of our lives. It's the turning point of the, of the Gospel, but it also should be the turning point of our lives, which is the cross of Christ. So we see two things here about the cross of Christ. Number one, it's a place of submission. As we look here, John, the evangelist who is writing the Gospel... After Caiaphas, he's written down what Caiaphas has said. Now he is telling us what's happened here. Verse 51, 52 says, Now this he did not say in his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together and one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So what he's saying is that even though Caiaphas is a ruthless and a cunning person and is responsible for the decisions that, he's still, that he has made, you need to understand also that what's taking place here is all a part of God's perfect and holy plan. And that God in his sovereignty has caused this wicked ruler to speak truth. That indeed Jesus would be the substitute sacrifice. And so from this day forward, they would plot to put Jesus to death, but they need to understand that it is on God's timing and not on their timing. And so as we are reminded what Jesus did on the cross, we see what, what took place here as Jesus went to the cross for us. As we think about the cross, is that we're reminded that Jesus was submitted to the Father's will and his plan. That he knew what was coming, and he was obedient to do what the Father had called him to do. He is obedient and submissive to the plan and the mission and the task that was before him. And so as we think about how we as believers who are disciples of Jesus Christ, do we live more like the code of Caiaphas where it's all about me or is it more about Jesus where we're going to be submitted to whatever God desires of us to do no matter what that looks like? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul reminds us, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he talks about what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
and how he's exalted. So we'd be faithful to be obedient and humbling ourselves to serve the Lord. And as believers, our lives are not to be lived by the code of Caiaphas, but by the cross of Christ, submitted to the will of God. That's where we're to dwell, not as a selfie-oriented life, but we dwell in submission to what God desires for us. You remember Jesus said, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Remember that? Beloved, that should be our prayer. Not my will, but thine be done. Whatever you want, Lord. As disciples of Jesus, we would become more like Jesus, not Caiaphas. And then the second thing, it's a place of submission. It's also a place of sacrifice. Because Jesus would die for the nation. We see him here that the Passover of the Jews was near. And just as they were preparing for Passover, beloved, Jesus was preparing to be the Passover lamb. The perfect, spotless lamb of God who would be given for our sins. And so Passover, if you remember, was that, uh, that time in Egypt when the children of Israel were spared from Egyptian bondage as God allowed the Passover to take place where they were to kill the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost and the lentil and the night that, that death would pass over as long as they had the blood of this lamb on their doorpost. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He is the sacrifice given for us because of what he did for us on the cross. So now let's just think about that for a moment. Jesus, who is the creator of the universe, the one who, who has all power within the sound of his voice, he can do anything that he wants to, is enjoying the glory and the splendor of heaven, stepped out of that glory and came and became in the form of a, a human and the, as a bondservant of God. And so he came, uh, leaving all of that, and he came with a purpose to die. He who had no sin, who did not need to die, died for you and for me. He was the sacrifice. Beloved, when you think about that, don't you think that that is exactly the opposite of a selfie life? And that's who he was. The exact opposite of selfiness. The exact opposite of self-centeredness. It's totally selfless. But these Jewish leaders were focused on themselves. And their empty religion, maintaining their own security and positions of prestige for themselves. And when we're following Jesus, beloved, it should be no longer about me, but all about the Lord. Right? It should always be about Him and not about me. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. You could substitute the words, my self-centeredness has been crucified with Christ. My selfiness has been crucified with Christ. For it's no longer I, myself, who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the life that we are to live. But this is what you need to understand is that unless you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you can't live that life. Because it's our nature, it's our human, fleshly nature to be like Caiaphas. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. We need one who will work supernaturally to change us from the inside out so that we'll be changed forever, transformed miraculously to be able to love like Jesus and live like Jesus and one day be with Jesus. And so we need the Lord to save us. There, as we live our lives as believers, we say, yes, I belong to the Lord. Yes, I, I'm his. Yes, I'm a disciple. Yes, I've been born again. But, beloved, you have to ask yourself, are you living the life of following Jesus close to the cross 
Are you living the life of Caiaphas that's very selfie-oriented? Is your life all about you, or is your life all about Jesus? Now you say, well, I'm not like these guys. I, I, I don't want to kill Jesus. Okay, well, that's great. But do we want to just have him just as much out of the way as they did? I mean, do we consider Jesus a threat to what I want to do? Do we consider Jesus a hindrance to my comfort? Do we consider Jesus a barrier to what I really want to do or really want to be or really want to go? I mean, then the question is, who's really the Lord of your life? And where are you dwelling? By the code of Caiaphas or the cross of Christ? Are you submitted to his will, willing to sacrifice all for him who sacrificed his all for you? You know, I praise God for those who are disciples who are sold out and surrendered and willing to sacrifice for Jesus, going whenever, wherever, however, no matter what. Lord, you're the Lord. I'm just the servant. King, I'm just your slave. Master, whatever you want me to do. Teacher, I'm your student. Wherever, whatever, however, I'm yours. And that's the kind of disciples that we're made to be through Jesus Christ. Not living according to the code of Caiaphas, but living according to the cross of Christ. So here's two things to do as we think about this passage of Scripture. Number one is consider Christ. And so the question is, as we think about consider Christ, is answer the question, what will you do with Jesus or what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with him? What will you do with him? Yeah, I couldn't help but to think of, as I was studying this passage of Scripture this week, and seeing, you know, what Caiaphas said about, hey, let's just kill Jesus, get him out of the way. It's better that one man die than all of us suffer as a nation. Just get rid of him. That later, as Jesus is indeed crucified, they plotted, they put him to death. We'll see that as we move through the Gospel of John. They put him to death in a very cruel, terrible manner. He suffered and he died. He gave of his life freely, voluntarily. But then on the third day, what we know about Jesus is that he rose bodily from the grave. Amen? And so Jesus proves that he is the Son of God, bodily raised from the dead, raising himself from the dead, ascending into heaven, sending the Holy Spirit. And then this week as I was studying uh, the scriptures, going through my devotional scripture reading, I was in the book of Acts, and Acts chapter 4. And it just dawned on me as I was looking at this passage of scripture, that that passage of scripture where Peter and John had been at the temple and they uh, healed a lame man, uh, who in the name of Jesus. You remember that story? And so the lame man's leaping and jumping and causing quite a stir because of what take, took, took, took place. And it came to pass, it tells us in chapter 4 of Acts, verses 5, it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, the elders, the scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem, and they set Peter and John in the midst of them, and they asked them, now Caiaphas is sitting right there. Caiaphas says, by what power, by what name have you done this? And then Peter in verse 8 says, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Right? These are the very people who crucified Christ. And he's speaking to them here. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. 
For this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Watch this, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Man, wouldn't you love to heard that speech by Peter, right? Speaking to the very council that, put, that plotted to put Jesus to death, we find in our passage of Scripture today. You have to wonder, as Caiaphas is hearing this, knowing what's been said about Jesus, who, who they know has crucified because they watched it, and had heard the stories about him being resurrected, and now they're seeing evidence of how there's power in his name, you have to wonder, what is Caiaphas thinking? Who's been so selfie-oriented, so egotistical and arrogant. The question has to be, what will you do with Jesus? Beloved, that's the question for us today. What will you do with Jesus? Will you continue to live according to the code of Caiaphas, very self-centered, or will you come to the cross of Christ where you find cleansing and a change that lasts forever, powered by the Holy Spirit to live a life of holiness before God? Consider Christ. If you've never trusted him, today's the day. Trust Jesus by faith. And then the second thing is focus on the cross. So you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You've considered him. You've chosen, I want to follow him, live for him. He's the Lord and master of my life. Now focus on the cross. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember how he died for you. Remember the life that is now yours because of him. And then ask, how then shall I live? Focus on the cross. May you be submitted to all that God desires for you to do. May you be willing to sacrifice whatever he says to give up, knowing that you, when you think that you've lost, in reality you've gained. And surrender your all to him. Focus on the cross. Because that's where our hope is. That's where our assurance is. That's where life is. In the cross of Calvary. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. We pray that we would not live any longer according to the code of Caiaphas in this self-centered way. But Lord, let us live according to the cross of Christ. where we are surrendered to you and submitted to you and yielded to you and sold out to you, serving you and following you and loving you and worshiping you. Lord, may our hearts and our minds be passionate after you. And may people see you in us. And one day, Lord, we'll be with you. Lord, I trust you by faith. I thank you, Father, for this time. I pray that there are those that you're working in the hearts and lives of people. I trust you, O oh Lord, that you have spoken to people's hearts about a decision that they needed to make to yield to you in some way, to turn away from our hearts and minds that is the flesh of how this suits me and begin to start thinking about what, the, what does God desire of me? What does God want me to do? How am I to live this life? How am I to make this decision? Lord, that our attention would be upon you, submitted to you, willing to sacrifice all, surrendered to what you desire. Now, Lord, as we come to this invitation, if there are those here today who need to come to receive you by faith, saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, let them come and speak to one of these pastors here. If there are others of this Father who just say, I want to surrender my all to Jesus today. May they come and ask for prayer. Just come and pray silently, surrendering everything to Christ. 
Lord, may our focus be upon you and the cross of Calvary and your love for us. And may we live that out daily, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.